The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. They're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy, there's something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. She's the only one who can stop it. If she fails... I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. No one will survive. Craven, director of The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, a new masterpiece in fantasy terror, Nightmare on Elm Street. copy they have for streaming it looked pretty good um i'd never seen that one either oh man it's fantastic he throws up that thing on top of the old lady's umbrella you remember that i'm on a real cronenberg kick right now there's a book at work that he wrote some novel so i might check it out it's his analysis of cronenberg on cronenberg it's called cronenberg on cronenberg on cronenberg yes (laughs) triple cronenberg yes cronenberg cubed yeah all right we ready yeah all right we're rolling we've been rolling for a while yeah gotta do that mumbling fade in theme pa- you know the theme pans mm, down a little what did uh somebody on facebook posted that if you listen to inspirational uh podcast at like half speed it uh-huh. sounds like you're getting wit and wisdom from a drunk oh yeah we did that on our episode <laughs> and i was gonna say you did that on that episode <laughs> it sounds great All right. i happened to listen to one episode uh for a while before i realized it was our episode playing oh wow because it was a window that got opened and then i opened something else and it auto played oh nice 
<laughs> I did not recognize us. <laughs> All right. Welcome, listeners, to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We are a podcast that talks about horror movies, well, we would say from all eras, but right now it's just going to be the 80s uh, as we go through our episodes in the numbers, numbered 81 through 89, or 90? 90. Um, we'll, we'll, We're going through 90. Okay. There's right. no year zero. You're right. You're right. Um Thank you to the Moon Rays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, that you hear going into this. And uh, you can find their music on Amazon or iTunes. You can say hello to them on Facebook, where they are the Moon Dash Rays. They're not that other Moon Rays. Um, that's it for housekeeping. We're going to thank the Moon Rays for giving us the concept of the number zero. Yeah. The, there is no year zero, people. That's why we started on 81. 81. I told a couple of customers about the podcast because they seem... I have those stickers. I need more. Okay, great. Um, they were, I hate the phrase, but millennials. Mm -hmm. They were young. They were thrilled that we were covering the 80s. Yeah. And they, they had something to listen to on their way back to Kansas. Yeah, wherever Nebraska. they were going. Nebraska. It was a little further than that. I think it was Minnesota, but. Wow. Well, I hope they enjoyed us and are still listening to maybe this. I hope so. I wish I had gotten their names. Yeah. Well, hello, you travelers. Tra <laughs> hello, time travelers. Welcome to the 80s. Um, so, um, should we do what have we watched since last time? Yeah. I watched Will, Shivers. kick it off. Yeah. yeah. Shivers. That's a little Cronenberg film. Yeah. Um, did you enjoy it? Oh, man. It's <laughs> been the... I can't say the best one yet. Was was uh, it a was it a first watch for you? Yes, I'd not seen it. It was another one of those. It it and Rabbit I were confusing as one movie. I've not seen <laughs> either. But I mean, you could see how Rabbit would kind of fit for a title for Shivers. You know, that just reminded me that I realized I conflated two different um video covers. Night of the Creeps and the Creepers. Um, the girl has her hand out and there's like bugs coming out of her hand or something. I think that's Creepers. Yeah. And like that. I overlapped the two images in my head. The guy with the uh, the flowers and the tucks or whatever. I had I with had bugs. him. Yeah, I had him with bugs. That, I think that is probably another case out there. Mm -hmm. There's probably 35 different cases of artwork out there with somebody holding a handful of bugs <laughs> <laughs> whether or not bugs were involved in the storyline the stuff on the cover doesn't need to be in the story no comics worked well that way oh yeah do you remember all that stunning crap they would do on comic book covers and you'd flip through the issue and go where is all that stuff are you doing that by the way are you doing the covers <laughs> for gumby jolian yeah is oh, there man. a bunch of stunning crap that doesn't happen in the story gumby's got a laser rifle <laughs> Yeah, he's all pumped up. And he's, he's all pumped he's up. He's standing on a hill surrounded by half-clad women. And yeah, it's all, Pokey's kind of like, like Colossus. By Boris Vallejo. And... Oh, man. <laughs> it's like the Kiss Destroyer album cover. <laughs> or the Hildebrandt Brothers. The other, the other thing I, I like with those 80s uh, covers is like the dude would be standing there with his massive gun and, and some woman draped on his leg. And whatever direction he's he's like, holding his gun and it's firing 
Mm-hmm. He's not looking in that direction. No, never. He could be, you know, shooting her head off or something like that accidentally. <laughs> A school bus just off the trigger, just off frame, <laughs> riddled full of holes. Uh, what what else? else? We wa- oh, we watched several episodes of The Americans. Mm-hmm. Probably one a night for three, four nights. Yep, I'm, uh, I'm there with you. I have two left, <clears throat> nine and ten. Damn. And then I think we have one more season. We I... discussed this season, uh, Gene and I, mm-hmm. the other day. Uh, I think this may be the best one yet. Mm-hmm. It's very low key, but uh, they've got this neat intersection of relationships versus work. Right. And uh, I don't want to discuss it too much because it's not what the podcast is about. But uh, <laughs> And we could accidentally spoil something. We could spoil something, but it's pretty brilliant right now. Right. Oh, by the way, we're going to spoil this movie from 33 years ago when we do talk about it. Freddy did it. Yeah. <laughs> He's dressed as a butler and he did it. Um, that There's your spoiler warning. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, anything else you watched or is that it? Um, I think that's it. All right. Jolien, what have you watched? Uh, I watched uh, Underworld Blood Wars. <laughs> the latest installment. Okay. I, I think it's number five. No. Yeah. So yeah. Are we allowed Five to guess what you, what you thought of it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's they all just seem the same, you know. That's yeah. <laughs> That's the nicest the answer you could give. You, you just like you've got to love looking at black and blue a whole lot because they're mm-hmm. the only colours you get. Um, but uh, this one, uh, this one's the feature debut directing of Anna Furster. Um, she's she was like second unit director with Ronan Demery, doing lots of films. She mm-hmm. was selected off the street at random, <laughs> um, and it's got Lara Pulver in it, who's great. She's got a great face. Like, like what's she been in? She was in Sherlock. She's the woman who, uh, the one woman who got away with it. Oh, who played? Um, Is it whatever Ma- Myra? Yeah, whatever her name was. Yeah. I can't remember now. But yeah, she she's good to watch. Uh, I saw Passengers, also from last year, with uh, Chris Pratt. I heard there's a great re-edit of it from, uh, what's her name's point of view, and redone as a horror movie. <laughs> uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Hmm. So it sounded really good. Okay. <laughs> but I want to watch the original first. Yes. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to just watch the fan edit. Yeah, a, yeah. Her and uh, Michael Sheen plays this excellent. Uh, he's he's this like um, android who who runs the bar. Uh, it's kind of like The Shining at the start because it's just him wandering around, and then the, he finds this barkeep and talks to him for a while. Uh, yeah, Michael Michael Sheen. Is it a bit like Fifty Girls? Fifty. Have you read that EC yeah, comic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like that because he picks out, yeah, this ideal woman. He, he he reads up on her and then and he he feels really bad about it, but eventually, you know, after a year of being alone, he he oh, pulls okay. her out of it. And so his he's morally compromised, and his dilemma is like, <laughs> at some point, he's got to tell her <laughs> before she finds out. Yeah, because he's doomed her. Yeah, but um, yeah, so it's got got an interesting 
moral dilemma in it. Um, Recommend? I, I liked it, yeah. It's good looking. Um, yeah, Michael Sheen, he he, um, he did have a relationship with Kate Beckinsale from the Underworld series. And he was in Underworld 3. Underworld dear. <laughs> um, anyway. Further Underworld. Uh, Andy Garcia turns up for about two minutes. Lawrence Fishburne's in it for a while. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a good looking movie. Good cast and interesting situation. Um, and then the other movie I watched was The Lovers. Uh, Louis Malle film from 1958. This is his second film after Elevated to the Gallows. Mm. Lovers. Which is a stunning movie. Mm-hmm. That's a great movie with just tension and paranoia. Yeah. And oh man, gotta see it. Elevator to the Gallows. Yeah. Oh man, that's a noir, suspense, just a French mm-hmm. movie with Miles Davis uh, soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's amazing. This is mm-hmm. like everything you'd want from Paris in the fifties, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's it's a must see. All right. Elevator to the Gallows. Yeah. Uh, the Lovers has got Jean Moreau in it, and so you know if if you all you want from a French movie is some some bored woman having lovers and cruising around the French countryside in a dish of oil, this is it. Yeah, I think uh, I've seen this. Uh, she yeah, she's um, her husband's this like newspaper publisher. Yeah, they got this big chateau and out near Dijon and. It sounds very familiar. Uh, and she's already got one love when the movie starts. So she's with this polo player. And then uh, later on she meets an, uh, another guy. But, um, yeah, so that, that's basically all the plot there is. But it's just... And it's know, based on an EC comic. What happens too, to the... Right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, I thought, what what's the comeuppance going to be? Is there going to be one or is it going to be... Is it going to... Because it... There's this quite steamy sex scene, mm-hmm. and it's quite surprising for like 1958. And um, this, when this movie came to America, it got into trouble. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, they didn't kill each other; they had sex with each other. So, you know, big no-no. Yeah, yeah that really just knocks our buckle hats <laughs> off, <laughs> right? So this uh, theater manager got convicted of obscenity. Oh, and man. Uh, he appealed to the Supreme Court. And then, uh, so a few years down the line, uh, the Justice uh, Potter Stewart came out with the famous definition of pornography, which okay. is, um, I know, I know when, when I, I see, see it. it. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it comes from. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, so yeah, I have seen this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't remember where or when. Right. But I watched this week's movie a zillion times as a kid. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> it was like a new movie to me. It's so weird, isn't it? Although I was, I was uh, quite happy when it started. It's like, oh. but anyway, we'll it's get like, to that. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a, a familiar old pair of shoes or something. That you're gonna <clears throat> say parachute? Parachute. Yes. Um, what did you it? see then? That was it. Um, I rewatched The Big Lebowski. Um, having not watched it in maybe two or three years. So it's not like there was anything new. Um, I don't know if I ever mentioned this, but uh, um, Joey at Superior Printing, who who loves your Orson Welles stories, um, he, he prints our stickers. Uh, okay. Um, 
his sister is a stunt person and she drove one of the motorcycles in the big Lebowski and she was, she was in a ton of stuff. She still works in Hollywood. So she's a, a stunt person who's got quite the resume. Sounds like there should be a politer name for that. Than stunt person? Stunt person sounds. <laughs> stunt woman. No. Female stunt man. No. Um, I don't know. So Anywho. she, she, she rode one of the um, nihilists motorcycles you know, when they all come roaring up onto the highway and then uh-huh. pick up the bag and take off. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm talking about that, but that motorcycle is actually at his shop. Oh, okay. Or it was. I don't know if he moved it since, but it's weird. I was thinking um, uh, that we should do, like, one episode, a one-off, where we do just discuss Orson Welles. <laughs> we should. You know, We can watch a bunch of Orson Welles films. Yeah. And then discuss him. Oh, Jolien yeah. can give us well, the lowdown. He was a, a real-life monster, right? So it fits. He was a real-life monster. <laughs> he played, I hear he ate a puppy. <laughs> he played humans a lot, but he was a monster. Let's face he, it. He could eat entire roast chickens at one sitting. So. Yeah. Oh, well, I could so do We that. could discuss the whole Falstaff thing some more. <laughs> so The Big Lebowski, it holds up really well. Um, okay. Have you read any uh, Raymond Chandler? No. I don't think oh, so. Oh, man. Oh, you, you go read Raymond Chandler and then go watch The Big Lebowski. Okay. It makes it... lebowski Two to three times better. Well, that's great. I can handle that. <laughs> Maybe not that much. Um, <clears throat> also watch several episodes of The Americans, getting to the same episode you're on, so we don't need to talk about that or spoil that for any of our listeners I can't believe they shot so-and-so. Yeah, well, that was amazing. Blood everywhere. Uh, discovered a new um, British TV show called... Exploding Fle- Crocodiles a bit much. <laughs> I know. You know, if they were in Florida, that would be... Well, no, that's alligators. Never mind. If they were in yeah, Australia... It was a crocodile, and how did it come out of the sink? Yeah. I believe the toilet. I- anyway. The sink. Man. Um, Suspend my what disbelief. What else are you watching? The Flea? No, Fleabag. The Flea, Fleabag. It's called Fleabag. It's a British TV show. Um, I think the date on it is last year, so 2016. And it's about a perfectly awful woman uh, and her personal interactions with people in her life and her sex life. And here's the thing. It's like she's as bad or worse than anybody in the show Girls, but she's more interesting... It's- do you know the actress? I can't think of her name, um, but she's awesome, and I think she's one of the writers on it, so she's probably a comedian. Uh, the show is really funny, and there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall. She'll look at the camera and give a knowing glance or an eye roll, or she'll turn and just talk to the camera. Um, and there's some voiceovers as well, so a lot of breaking fourth wall, but in a really good way. And oh, fantastic. So she runs a, a little cafe in London, and she has an ex-boyfriend that's troublesome. She's trying to go out with a couple of new guys, and that's troublesome. And her relationship with her sister and her father and her stepmom, all just awful relationships. watch Nighty Night? No. Uh, if it's probably on Hulu, check it out. I will. The first season, it's this terrible, terrible lady who's trying to <laughs> seduce the next door neighbor who's a doctor and his poor wife has ms oh no and they're both very very uptight polite british people and she is just 
the worst person you've ever seen on TV. Awesome. It's uh it's pretty fantastic. And it allows us to feel good about ourselves. Uh well, yeah, sure. Why yeah. not? <laughs> um there was some short like 52 minute documentary about the um the production and the impact from the H.G. Wells um the Orson Wells uh production of War of the Worlds, mm-hmm. the radio show that sent everybody into a panic and people were shooting water towers and their neighbors and freaking out. Um, it's really cool. It's there's, I think reenactments They the footage just looked too good to not be reenactments of people yeah, sitting and talking no footage about it. I don't think, no. well, no interview footage. Oh, interview footage. With, perhaps with people who had something to say about it. And I think there's they, footage of him apologizing. Yes. They had, uh, uh hey, they I have had that. something to say about that. Film me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll sit down on that couch and but The ones that where people got killed were the uh, productions done in South America. For War of the, War yeah, of the they, World? Yeah, they did. Like, other countries did their own versions later oh. because it was such an impact. Mm-hmm. And they did a similar thing where they didn't announce that it was fake. Uh, well, the Orson Welles one actually do do say it's a drama, but, yeah, but, but uh, the one in South America, they, yeah. yeah, people, um, uh, yeah, people got killed. They over purposely it. made it sound like they cut into whatever program mm-hmm. that was playing yeah, it was at a that dance time. program. Uh huh. So they music. they said, oh, the following program's fake or whatever, right. and then they went to their dance. And for program. some reason, like the, the the most popular show on 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 another channel wasn't. It ended right before that? Yeah, so, so, something was off about it that night. They called it dial spinning or something like that. People would do it a lot back then. Uh, like, we, we might call it channel flipping or something, but... I think uh, it, it might have been that show about... It's like a radio show with a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah, yeah Edgar and Bergen. Tra- yeah, Edgar for Bergen, some reason it was, it, was, it was a repeat or it was bad or something that night. And, uh, oh, so I people think, who normally yeah, listen to off. it switched over like 10 minutes in. So it, after the... After the disclaimer, yeah, yeah. So they came in, you know, just as as like uh, the the show was going wrong, as it were. And although he apologized, do you think he really felt bad about it? No, fuck no. He must have been so delighted. He's a human yeah. monster. Well, he, he he's like a magician as well. He, he just that's loves what doing I was going to say. Like that you know, faking people out. Perhaps that's why he was always looking to cheat his way through things was that it was like a magic (laughs) trick yeah you know or was it because he got away with it young and got a lot of attention for being a boy genius magician Mm -hmm. and then later he just came to kind of expect to get away with yeah things why was he so scammy (laughs) i don't understand really like to dazzle people yeah ah so that one's worth a look if you get to see mm-hmm. it. But uh, yeah, it's, it's great that you kind of get the breakdown of how it happened and why the one reporter sounds so authentic. He goes down to the library of the radio station and finds a wax cylinder of the Hindenburg crash mm. and really listens to the real-life terror of what was going on and emulates that in his performance. Oh, fantastic. And then just like the creatures are coming, everyone's screaming, and all of a sudden, boom, he literally drops the mic and there's a famous picture of Orson Welles holding his hands up to like halt all sound in the studio. They mm-hmm. all stop on a dime, total silence, 
And then the other reporter cuts in and says, okay, we've lost them. We don't know what happened. Yeah. And they start into another account. <laughs> it's pretty stunning. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So it's great. You can kind of get the breakdown of how it all came together, how it all happened, and the um, probably inauthentic apology from Orson Welles. <laughs> and then... Of course, I watched Nightmare on Elm Street because that's what we're talking about. But I also watched the 2010 remake with uh, Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger. As the beef. As the beaver. <laughs> and uh, that was it for me. So uh, now we can talk about Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. Ah. When Oingo Boingo had a great song called Wake Up, It's 1984. Wake Up, It's 1984. Yeah, George Orwell's book suddenly started selling lots more copies. <laughs> yeah. Lots of teachers were assigning it again for reading assignments. The movie came out. Yeah, there is that. Um, 1984, the movie came out. Yeah. Yeah. Who was the director on that? Does anyone remember? Oh, I think it was John Hurt was one of the actors. John Hurt was yeah. the actor. Uh, the director was... Uh... He's like, I've been an alien. I could do anything. And it was What's-His-Name's last... Uh, Richard Burton's last role. Oh, hmm. I don't remember much about it. I didn't like it. I remember I that there was like a eurythmic song to go with it, <laughs> which is pretty poor. And... Yeah, when I first watched it, I really didn't like it, and then I read the I read the book again and rewatched it at some point and liked it a lot more than the first viewing and it felt okay. like it was one of those that if you hadn't read the book almost immediately because i had read the book before i saw the movie but seeing the movie just seemed kind of slow and not a lot happens um but if you read the book and then rewatch the movie it seems like oh they took a lot of all that exposition and just made it visual okay right um the show Wolf Hall that's based on a book does that a lot. If you watch it the first time, it's good, but I think there's a lot of detail that just kind of goes by because they've just done it all visual since that's sort of how it is in the book. And they don't bring any attention to it. Hmm. So. so that brings us around to Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. So, Will, you watched this about 10,000 times as a kid? Yep. And uh, what well, what got you started on it? Uh, I probably watched this probably 1985. <clears throat> um, I would have been second or third grade. Mm -hmm. uh, my cousin's house, I think he had HBO free for the weekend. Oh, wow. And Those free previews. Yeah. Um, everybody was out. That's like a I pusher did... giving you a little taste of drugs. It really was, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was fantastic, and we must watch this series a zillion times. And yet, rewatching it, I haven't watched it since probably 1995. Okay, uh, maybe a little later, 96, uh, somewhere around there. What did you think of the rewatch? Was it? Uh, were you surprised? I enjoyed it. Uh, I was surprised how young the kids looked. Oh yeah. Especially Nancy seemed like a actual 16 year old she did she's supposed to be playing 15 i think but okay. but she is pretty young i don't know if she's 17 or yeah, the, the kids was playing 15 but she was 19 okay okay yeah, yeah she she looks yeah i thought she was 20 but yeah well she know. has that line about oh my god i look 20 
Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, you do. <laughs> you do look 20. I wish I could say that. I felt like the, <laughs> the streak in her hair was not visible in all the scenes. Like, maybe there was some funny business. Anyway, we'll get to that with the continuity. So, did you end up renting this one a bunch from your local video cassette rental joint? Um, no, I think I just had a bootleg. Oh, yeah. I think we copied this. Like you recorded it during the free preview or you did a tape to tape or what? I think I probably did a tape to tape, although my friend's mom worked at a video store, so they had a lot of movies. I may have just borrowed their copy. Yeah. I know my cousin had this series that was done tape to tape and off of HBO and Friday the 13th, and we spent one weekend watching all of them all back to back, probably. I don't know, six or seven of each of them. Oh, man. Man. So they all kind of blend together after a while. It's like, this is the part where she grabs Jason's hat. Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Jason doesn't have a hat. He should. He should. Like a nice top hat. Maybe. I always like the kind of, I mean, all these killers, Michael Myers and Jason, all have a supernatural sort of element. Right. But I really like that Freddy Krueger killed you in your dreams yeah because you couldn't get away from him he wasn't just some spectral figure out in the, in the woods at the camp he didn't have to physically find you yeah you just had to fall asleep and he'd find you the only drawback i always found about these movies even as a kid was i felt that they were kind of always lame about the dream parts of the movies i felt like they were never very they were never as dreamlike as they could be. Right. They have little bits, and they have great bits like this one when she tries to run up the stairs. Oh, yeah. And her feet sink into the steps, which seems like a real nightmare moment. Yeah. You know, but, you know, when his arms stretch out, that seems kind of nightmarish, too. But, uh, I don't know, I don't, I've always felt like they don't play enough with that dream logic and, and whatnot. And you know what they used for the stairs? That I think it was cake frosting. Pan, pa pancake batter is what. Is it? Pancake batter. That's it. Yeah, like Bisquick or something. Yeah. So you can mix it to different consistencies. There's a there's a, a ridiculous amount of like um, uh, goofs or errors or whatever they call it on IMDb. One of them they list is that you could see the little pool like where she's about to step. Yeah. It's like really that's the worst of it. Okay. But there's a whole bunch of little things. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, in the remake, one of the boxes says 1997 on the side, but on the front it says 1996. Oh, really? Yeah. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> it's like, continuity, continuity. And it turned out it was a dream. And I was like, well, continuity, I guess. It's the best part about film a dream sequence. Continuity can be tossed, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, continuity... Continuity doesn't matter in, in dream logic because it's like, oh, yeah, in my dream, it was a combination of work and my childhood home. See, they never have anything like that. It'll be, you know, some orange and green lit. I'm looking at you, 2010 remake. <laughs> orange and green lit diner. And although the waitress ignoring you and walking away right. seems very dreamlike, why wasn't it a combination of like, work and then and the or i mean the diner and the uh stupid uh nursery school right um 
Yeah, why couldn't they be um, revealing their their uh, memories of in the... their dreams? Yeah, I don't know. Although I thought it was innovative to make a movie that made you want to fall asleep for 2010's <laughs> Nightmare yeah. on Elm Street. I was kind of bored because you go through the movie with Christina, Chris, and she learns things about Freddy, and then she gets killed. And then you kind of have to relearn it all with Nancy and her boyfriend. I did find that a little annoying, too. It was totally annoying. It was unnecessary. Now, did you have uh, any knowledge of uh, Wes Craven's inspiration for this thing? The stories that he had read in the paper? I know he had some stories about people dying while dreaming. I don't remember Mm -hmm. if they were Vietnamese boat people. Yeah. Laotian. Yeah. Um, And then he also had been bullied by somebody. Fred Krueger. Fred Krueger, who wore a red and green sweater, I believe. (laughs) No, he chose the sweater um, because the contrasting complementary colors would be uh, sort of uh, uh, provocative to your your visual uh, feel. But... uh, yeah, the the stories were in I, I want to say an L.A. paper, and he had yeah he just said, well, what if, what if someone connected these like they were a crime being committed by somebody rather than just three different instances, three different stories? Mm-hmm. What if there's a through line and it was all from one cause, you know, one, and and so that's where he kind of came up with this. What if someone was killing you in your dreams? And uh, so that that's where he came up with that. What I read was the it, there's there's there have been several of these dream deaths, what they call bungunga in Filipino. Mm-hmm. Um, and one boy, he, he'd been so afraid of sleeping that he hid like a coffee maker and things oh, in his like room. Oh, like Nancy this. And the, the parent, parents eventually got him to fall asleep and he died. Um, so Wow. So they did actually work the coffee maker into the writing. That's good. What's the longest inning if you've stayed up? Three days straight. Wow. Three days? I'd say about a day and a half for me, and that was about enough. You get you get so weird. We did five days. How? In seventh grade. What were you yeah. watching? All the Friday the 13th back to back? We wanted to break the Guinness the Book World six. Record. <laughs> what? I think you're joining a SEAL team or something. Yeah, we did. Uh, we wanted to break the Guinness Book World Records, and I'm sure we fell asleep a lot near the end because you get real goofy. Mm-hmm. Everything does get kind five of five days. Yeah, it gets really strange. I'm sure by the end of the third day we were <laughs> we were falling asleep. I'm sure it wasn't really five whole days, but it was a long time. I know in college sometimes I'd stay up for. Three days or so. So, did you have anyone monitoring this for official record no, purposes? No, we were seventh graders. Oh, okay. <laughs> we were stupid kids. We didn't even think that it would endanger us till later. That we read, you know, Guinness Book of World Records was like 11 days, like they say in this movie. Oh, man. And uh, we were like, oh, okay. And then later, somebody's like, you know, that's it's not really safe. No, like, what? We rode the skateboard off the roof <laughs> earlier. I mean, what do we know about safe? We're seventh graders. <laughs> right. 
Let's make a bomb. Let's make it inside so no one sees us. Right. Yeah. I'm glad that a lot of the stuff that we did as seventh graders didn't result in uh, loss of limb or life. Now like kids have social media and things. Oh, my God. We would have posted it. Practically monitoring themselves all the time. Yeah. I would have. I've always thought that. Is that why they have social media? So you're monitoring yourself. Yeah, all it's the like time. Uh, like my wife's a career counselor, and she's having to constantly tell people, remember what goes on social media is there forever, and, and yeah. employers are going to look at that stuff. That's why I have a fake name. <laughs> uh, several. So you stayed awake long enough to know that shit would get weird. Oh, yeah, you just get re. I remember getting really giggly. It was like the first time you smoke weed. Uh, I mean, we hadn't ever had weed at that time or anything like that. But it was a little preview, though, wasn't it? But it was, yeah, you get really goofy. Everything was funny. Um, <clears throat> no, I spent a lot of times trying to stay up a long, long time. Have you ever stayed up way too long while driving cross country? That thankfully I haven't. So th- there's a thing when you're when you're overtired and you've been awake for like a couple days. They call it getting slap happy. Uh huh. Yeah. Exactly. And when it, when you're doing it while driving, they call it being road happy. I've heard that too, where you just start to. I was on a road trip once, um, actually back in probably the mid '80s, late '80s, and a friend of mine was driving, and he's like, "Okay, am I the only one who saw a dude with a cape?" And I went, "Okay." <laughs> I was writing down license plates and roadkill, and I wrote down dude with a cape, and we should probably pull over and take a nap. Wow. So, yeah, when you start seeing shit on the road that you know isn't there, dude with a cape. My grandfather told me this story that he uh, he dozed off while driving, and he woke up, and he there was a car right in front of him, and he mm. slammed on the brakes and almost hit this person. And after he kind of calmed down and uh, caught his breath and everything, he realized he was in his own driveway. Oh, wow. And had pulled in and turned the car off and fallen asleep at the wheel and had been asleep for a number of hours <laughs> and had just woken up and thought he was, you know, still driving because he was in the car. So Yeah. His dream gave him context. Yeah. His dream. <laughs> and he just reached up and slammed on the pedal. Yeah. We was already stopped. He was already stopped, yeah. Oh, man. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, so, uh, Jolene, have you ever done a sleep deprivation? Yeah, um, the first time was um, uh, when I saw this film. Um, we were doing a charity thing at school where we'd stay up 24 hours and we we're supposed to be playing Dungeons & Dragons or something. But they let us stay in the school by ourselves, which was pretty cool. Oh. And then uh, there there was a a boiler a, room, a cinema in town, which was showing Nightmare on Elm Street, Fantastic. which I was pretty excited about. So I just snuck out of school, went and watched it, snuck back in. When was this? What do you? But how old were you? I was about fourteen, fifteen. Oh, sweet, perfect and, time. Uh, yeah, so that, that, was, that was the first time I saw it. But then the, uh, at college, that I'd always uh, hit deadlines. Because I thought that was what you're supposed to do, and uh, but most of my friends didn't. And one was just he was really, really bad at deadlines. And uh, but his his work was so good that 
you'd always get away with it. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. But I'd I'd often be staying up, helping him out, like so oh. especially before um, the final show. That's stayed up for a while. That's probably the most I've stayed up late was being a jewelry uh, metals major. Was that last two days right. before projects were due? Everybody was staying up and sleeping on a grubby little couch in the studio. <laughs> midterms and finals, man. Oh, midterms and finals were terrible. So this is the thing about college. It's not about what you've learned. It's about what you can endure. Yes. I think, you know. Well, Bad food and no sleep. When I went to uh, Japan on this exchange scheme that... Um, scheme? <laughs> yeah, they, they wanted the, they, uh, they, were, they wanted to do like swap students from this art college in japan with the one i was at and uh they heard about me from the the principal whatever and uh they said so they made me the guinea pig for the, the thing the program yeah and uh, wow so they said would you like to come to japan and you know you've got places to stay and everything's going to be paid <laughs> yeah. and you were like hi <laughs> yep <laughs> so i better ask my parents but okay sure uh, but anyway uh, that was the time i was up for three days straight because um they were having a the the students at the art college were having a, a party and they told me the building it was in but this was in a city where there was stuff to do all the time like 24 hours a day and uh and the the tower blocks have different sort of entertainment on every floor so i knew where the building turned up for it by myself and uh didn't know what floor it was on so i just went in on the ground floor and worked my way up and each floor had a different party going on and because i was like the token foreigner they everyone was like oh come in come in come in and like, give me all these drinks and then <laughs> <laughs> well, i can't find the people i was supposed to meet and by the time i got up to the uh <laughs> the one i was supposed to be at you know, it was, it was, you know, pretty late. And, um, but there was this beautiful woman there and, uh, we, we got on pretty well. We just ended up, uh, just going places. And for like three having days. Having fun for three days. Oh, All right. Man. It was right great. <laughs> Better than my story. Yeah. That beats the dude in the cape story. <laughs> Did you all see that dude in the cape? <laughs> oh man. So. When so when you first saw Nightmare on Elm Street, you snuck out, saw it at a cinema, uh-huh. came back to the school. Yeah. Did you try to get down to the boiler room? No. <laughs> <laughs> I. Well, I was disappointed in it. Were you? Where are yeah. you? I've I've seen all these movies once. Okay. And uh, yeah, I I kind of like the third one because that that was kind of really bad taste is that dream warriors <laughs> yeah it lived yeah, up yeah. to the bad taste premise more than the others did okay um but otherwise i just i just found them lame and they they didn't do the dreams i i wasn't convinced they were dreams that in, in the first one there's some bits like this more subtle things like um when she's in the school and and she's like she's dropping off to sleep in the room and you're not sure when she's dreaming or not Mm-hmm. And then and she sees like there's like leaves blowing in the corridor or yeah stuff like that. I found I thought the that dialogue was, that was of guys reading yeah changes right. You know yeah that was good stuff like I, that. That was that was the only bit I was convinced it was a dream. I, I, sh- I, I felt felt the rest of it was the handling of it was too cack handed. It wasn't 
there wasn't a poetry to it, uh, which you know I, I wanted to see. So uh, yeah, I was kind of disappointed, and and the, and the sequels just got worse. Yeah, they got really corny after a couple of them. Um, so so yeah, you wanted to see more of that weird dreamy overlap, and so did I. And uh, I think the best part, like you said, the leaves blowing, and the uh, the body bag getting dragged by an invisible mm-hmm. force, you know, that kind of stuff. That was cool, and I really like that. Um, like anything that Freddy does, that's deliberately like trying to scare any of the victims. It, it's less effective than the realization mm-hmm. that they've just woken up, but they're not awake. That stuff's way more effective than the Freddy stuff. Yeah, yeah. and the Invisible Man stuff. Like yeah, the, the, when the what's her name's getting killed, the girl you think is going to be the hero. Oh yeah, Tina. 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 Yeah. That's that's quite distressing because like that, her friends watching her getting slashed that's or something. Good. I really like the scene right before he pulls the cover off. Yeah, and you yeah, can yeah. tell that there are two people under the covers. Right, right. That is a freaky scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when the wall, even though you've seen it a zillion times now, and they push out from the wall, mm-hmm. that's a pretty good scene. It's still pretty effective. Mm-hmm. It looks so terrible in the remake. <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's so CG in the remake. Everything was so CG in the remake. Mm. Uh, even, you know, I prefer the fakey f- plastic tongue on the phone that they had in the yes. original. Yeah. But those those remakes, like, is it Platinum Dunes? Uh-huh. All those yeah. were, where it's all about the backstory. Oh, I yeah. didn't yeah. care. I don't care what Leatherface's childhood was like. Yeah, who Freddy Krueger was. These, we knew these he things was are a supposed killer. To, supposed to work as nightmares and... Don't, yeah. don't explain our boogeymen. Yeah. Yeah. They boogie because they boogie. We don't care. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. So, I always kind of liked Nightmare on Elm Street, at least. I felt rewatching that the story held up pretty well. It could be dreamier. Yeah, I know. It's much beloved series. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. But, I, I'm but, not you saying know, that. You know, like, I'm uh, not saying the, that. Fact, the fact that everyone calls him Freddy and, and like kids were, going, were dressing up as him. Wow, well, he like, was this, fun. this is a child killer. Well, yeah, but and, uh, he was, we were dressing up as zombies and vampires too. Yeah, right. But this is specifically a, a child killer. This that's is like even the scarier. worst monster of our time. Yeah, exactly. As a kid, that was even scarier because he and then he could come and get you in your dream. Right? Okay, is he worse? It was like Bloody Mary. Is he worse than Satan? No. Because I've got a picture of my brother dressed up as Satan. You know. <laughs> yeah. Granted, it's a Ben Cooper costume and some red sweats, but oh man. But you know that. That predated Freddy by a, a solid 10 years. So, <laughs> And I'm sure kids dressed up as Jason and oh, sure. everybody else. Yeah, it was. I found it weird when they started mass marketing the costumes, though. I mean, I, I think the weirdest thing, though, was there was a Freddy Krueger doll. Yeah, you pull the string and he talked. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weird, isn't it? And they got it swapped with the Pee Wee Herman doll. Oh, that's great. No, they should have. No, there was there was one of those pull string talking dolls that uh, they had recorded a bunch of really uh, vile phrases and as a joke, mm. and then somebody thought it would be cute to actually load up a bunch of the dolls with those recordings. <laughs> and I can't remember if it was Pee Wee or, or a different one, but uh, that had happened back in the day. I thought it was like the Simpsons episode where Barbie got mixed up with a GI Joe. Oh, that's great. So. And then I think it turned out that somebody had either worked at the plant and swapped them as a joke 
or somebody had gotten in and swapped them as oh, a joke. That's great. <laughs> so, um, the first time I saw this, uh-huh. it was uh, either opening weekend or the next weekend. And uh, I was in high school. Um, I think it was it was November this came out. I have no idea. So I would have been in high school and my birthday would be in December. So for some strange reason, I was dating a woman who was 21 and uh, I wasn't quite 18 yet. So that was pretty weird. So it was the 80s. So yeah, it wasn't was, weird yeah. at all. Yeah. I mean, pe- people were watching Miami Vice. I mean, you know, come on. Yeah. <laughs> was Miami Vice really that out there? I don't know what year that came out. Right Before, around this time. I imagine. So I'm just saying that it was a very Patrick Nagel, Miami Vice kind of world. So Were you wearing a sports coat? And I was almost certainly. Rolled up sleeves. <laughs> rolled up sleeves, loafers, no socks. Fuck no. I was wearing heavy metal t-shirts and jeans and probably Converse All-Stars. <laughs> and a sports coat with yeah. the sleeves rolled up. Yeah, yeah, probably. That was in some sort of pastel color. Um, no. Peach, (laughs) pink. I actually had a leather jacket, believe it or not. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, I took the, um, then girlfriend to this movie and, uh, she didn't want to be alone afterwards. So I'll leave it at that. Um, Freddy Krueger did me a favor. (laughs) Freddy (laughs) Krueger. Thanks, Freddy. Yeah. Jean was like, looking that up for me. Jean told me she, she was always scared of these films and. Other than the first one being scared, I don't remember any of them ever being scary. Mm-mm. No. They were all just... Cornball. Corny. <laughs> it was which ridiculous. is what we loved about them, was just how corny they were. Well, the worst thing he does in in the first one is he's like, Hey, Tino, watch this! And he holds his hand up and cuts off two of his fingers, and they spurt yeah. like, green stuff everywhere. It's like, really? It's, is that like a magic trick you just did? Yeah, that's not terribly frightening and these stretching arms just look like shit yeah they looked really bad yeah i did an art print where i drew that and my drawing looks way better than what's on screen my memory looks way better of that yeah you could ruin this one by going back and watching it that effect doesn't work uh i wish they had something better now i read somewhere that west craven was inspired to go with the stripes because of plastic man oh plastic man had that little striped v on his costume it's not a major part of his costume costume though he's got this kind of jumpsuit yeah yeah, with a buckle this uh deep cut yeah showing his decolletage and (laughs) yeah it's not really a yeah i don't know if there's any truth to it i don't think so it was on wikipedia i mean you can trust wikipedia as far as you can I, i could see it as he was black and red yeah when he'd stretch into something or if he changed shapes I'm not even uh, sure of the color contrast thing because he's always lit in blue and and, and shadow. So yeah, I don't not, know. I'm not going to see color. that that vivid contrast. I don't. Yeah, I don't believe the color contrast. I can see the you know being striped is recognizable. Yeah, the colors look really muddy so at you, best. Yeah, you know, so you can see the stupid car top at the end come up <laughs> and is striped, but it looks green and orange at the end so um, at least on the copy i have so as far as things that didn't work okay we've got the stretching arms 
a few of the visual things. I mean, like the bathtub thing looked great. Oh, I like the visuals in this quite a lot. I really like the visual when the, they go upstairs and the mom's corpse is in the bed and it oh, sinks sinking. down and its hand raises up. That was a great image. And I love at the end how it doesn't matter anymore what was real or what was a dream. <laughs> was Nancy asleep the whole time? Yeah. It's was that... she awake? I don't know. Um, um, when the mother gets grabbed through the window in the in the door. Oh, man, that looks so bad now. Well, it happens so quick. And when you just paid your, what was it at the time, four or five dollars at the cinema? And uh, all of a sudden, this arm wow, yanks the woman. Where were you th- going to the cinema that it was that much? I don't know. Wasn't it four bucks at the time? No. How much was a ticket back in 84? Probably a dollar fifty. Maybe a matinee. Like it was a nickel at a matinee. <laughs> And you had money left over for a popcorn. I was going to say they're going to let Will pop. fill his fedora with popcorn. <laughs> now, keep in mind. Um, I wasn't some posho. You were a newsie. You were raised by newsies and, and uh, vaudevillians. I was hobos. <laughs> Basically... New Mexico was populated by hobos, newsies, uh, pot, no pachos, really. No, New Mexico's, you know, it was about 1930 when I was there. <laughs> in the 80s. Well, if you had your own teeth, you were a pacho. Yeah, you were. If you lived indoors most of the year, you were a pacho. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, whatever, whatever it is we paid for this, we, you know, it had to be... More outstanding than this to want to go back and pay the same amount again and watch the movie again. Yeah. Did you watch it twice? I don't think I did. I I think I caught it on video or cable two years later, three years later. But the sequel came out almost exactly a year later, if I remember right. Yeah. And Wes Craven didn't want anything to do with it, didn't he? No. He he was just like, are you kidding me? Are are we going to go back to the well on this thing? And they started coming up with their cockamamie. he, He had a bad relationship with... New Line? Yeah, someone at New Line. Mm. This movie made New Line, didn't it? Yeah, this was the this is bread and butter for years until Lord of the Rings came along. Yeah. The house that Freddy built. Yeah. That's what they called their headquarters. We yeah. watched New Line movies just because of that. Oh, oh yeah. Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Um, so casting on this, um, they wanted originally uh, David Warner to play Freddy. Hmm. And uh, he'd been in The Omen, Nightwing, The Island. Uh, so he had, you know, some, some spooky stuff in his past, and plus a lot of other... Really mm, terrible, awful things. Probably a lot of bad movies. And he's, he's in the Scream series later. Oh, is he? Ironically, yeah. Oh, that's funny. He's one um, of the teachers. In, 80, in 84, he ended up being in uh, The Company of Wolves, and uh, A Christmas Carol, he played Bob, Bob Cratchit, and then he played the monster on some Frankenstein remake. So, um, or the creature, whatever they called him. Um, so he didn't end up being cast, but uh, Robert Englund went in because they weren't looking for like Hollywood guys so much for this. They were looking for, um, you know, maybe John Saxon, but mainly new actors. And um, Heather Langenkamp didn't look like your typical starlet. She looked like an, an actual person. Um Johnny Depp, of course, you know, he 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 could have gone homely. You never know. I heard he, he came to the audition 
with his friend who was actually going for the audition. Yeah. But then he got spotted. Yeah, he was um, with Jackie Earl Haley. Right, right. Who would much later play Freddy Krueger, which is <laughs> oh, kind of God. hilarious. Um, but uh, I think there's a similar story that Mark Hamill was sleeping on Robert England's couch, <laughs> and Robert England told him, hey, why don't you go to that Star Wars thing? Yeah, some and, space movie. Yeah, and he got it. It's going to have lasers in it. Just to get off your get off my couch. Yeah, he's like, for fuck's sake, I got stuff to do. I'm, I'm Robert <laughs> England, man. I'm going to go places. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to be a big star, I, see? I, have you seen... Uh, Me and Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Eaten Alive? Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it gets the opening line in that. I, don't I think I've seen that remember. one. It's one with a Yeah, it's like, it's like classic uh, folk tale of like there's this out-of-the-way out place where people, you know, end up... They, they get rooms for the night and then they get fed oh. to the alligator in the back. And, yes. Yeah, Robert England's one of the people... Oh, that's crazy. It's a Toby Hooper movie. Oh, yes, of yes, yes. Yeah. Now, England um, had said in an interview that on his way to the uh, um, audition for this, he decided like he was going to kind of portray some sort of visual thing along with his, whatever read that he might do. So he took some cigarette ash, put dark circles under his eyes, and slicked his hair back just to give himself a creepy look. And uh, apparently the audition... Didn't take much. He got the part. Wes Craven liked him. He just said, this this guy can do it. He's not as tall as he'd like him to be. But, uh, you know, you can work around that. Clearly, looking at you, Tom Cruise. <laughs> so, uh, he got the part. And is it true? Tom Cruise is only 14 inches tall. Yes, it is. And he sleeps in a box. <laughs> a shoebox. A shoebox. Yeah. And, uh, well, it's a nice shoebox. Um, well, I imagine it's the fancy shoebox. Well, they have specially built sets. They do a forced perspective thing, so he looks actual <laughs> normal so size. he's standing right next to the camera. And... <laughs> yes, everybody else is back <laughs> away. Back a little further, a little further. Okay, little right further. there, you look. Yep. All right, now you look the same height. So um, uh, another thing about casting is that uh, Craven had his daughters look at a bunch of the headshots because you know they were kids and they're just like so who are these actors look like they would be good for this part and they all looked at johnny depp's headshot and they're mm. like yeah that guy yeah him uh some that they passed on or who they couldn't get included john cusack Kiefer sutherland nicholas cage and c thomas howell um well, c thomas howell the, the lot of them well c thomas howell ended up in the hitcher yeah. Which is arguably a, a better movie, but, uh, you know, there's there's some... I really like Robert England, but it'd be interesting to see Nicolas Cage as Freddy Krueger. <laughs> hey, man, I'm Freddy Krueger. <laughs> oh, I thought maybe he'd play a teen. No, he, he would have been a teen. At yeah, the time, yeah, but, but still. But I, I'm just, I'm just he would have been fantasizing great. here. I know. <laughs> I want to see... You, you've heard in Ghost Rider, he did his own, like, costume mm. that he wore, that they digitally animated over it but he wore this crazy hood and this makeup and everything i really want to see a cut of that movie with just him <laughs> in his costume Jesus. his homemade neon light uh glow-in-the-dark makeup costume everybody just kind of trying not to laugh 
Um, have you ever heard anything about the the back and forth with Sam Raimi? There's like a like a, a friendly sort of rivalry. They're sort of ribbing each other with little visuals in the movies. No. That's why you see Evil Dead on the television. Um, let's see. If oh, I could... is that what that was that they were watching? Yeah. So it was Evil Dead. Um, so there was a back and forth. Basically, they were just sort of putting something in each movie saying, no, this is horror. Okay. Because there's, there's this Foo Fighters video. Uh-huh. Everlone. Mm-hmm. Where it's like people in a nightmare. He, he's in a, a nightmare and he's... And uh, there's various nightmare sequences, but then a lot of them are Evil Dead. Yeah. And it becomes Evil Ted because they're all teddy boys. Oh, that's funny. All the zombie characters are actually teddy boys. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, sorry. Oh, uh, so in response, you know, there's a back and forth with Mm -hmm. these guys. So in response to um, uh, Craven using uh, Evil Dead on the television during Nightmare on Elm Street... If you look, when um, Ash goes out to the workshop in Evil Dead 2 to do the whole thing with the chainsaw and the shotgun and everything, <clears throat> you'll see a, a Freddy Krueger glove hanging above the door. Yes. So it's in the workshop. Okay. Yeah. The work shed, whatever. Uh, so that's kind of the, the back and forth they've been doing. Just kind of like, no, this is horror. Here's your stupid thing in my movie. <laughs> uh, so there's that. Um, there was one production thing that I read about where... Um, the guy who um, played Rod, the, the the guy with the leather jacket who uh, witnesses the girlfriend's uh-huh. death, he's on the run. The police get him. He gets hanged in his cell. Mm-hmm. Apparently, when he's freaking out and crying, um, and his his eyes can't focus and they're all watery, he was messed up on heroin. Um, he was he had just come off of a stint of being homeless and was trying to get back into acting, and. Um, Apparently he was just kind of snorting some heroin in the bathroom in between takes to just sort of steady himself being strung out. And, uh, he, he, yeah, yeah, that'll work. Uh, so Heather Langenkamp, uh, said, uh, you know, I thought, man, he's given the best performance of his life because <laughs> he was really, you know, uh, he was playing it real and it's like, no, he was just really messed up. And so there was acting, acting. So um, there was that. And yeah, you mentioned the whole thing about uh, the bully, the Freddy Krueger, the Fred Krueger bully. He had actually used the name Krug. Oh, in Last House on the Left. Last House on the Left. Because yeah, apparently that's that's haunted him. That that bully really must have messed him up. A.K.A. Krug and Company. Krug and Company. <laughs> so this movie. What if um, it was something pretty mild? <laughs> Hey, jerk. He just haunted him for the rest of his life. Yeah. Kid called him a jerk. He was just really sensitive kid. He was really sensitive. He's having a bad day, and that kid just, hey, jerk. What are you looking at, jerk? So so they estimated that this movie had a budget of $1.8 And, um, of course, it went on to make a ton of money. Like, it, it made its money back in the first weekend. And it went on to gross like $25 million you know, on, its, on its first run or whatever it was. And um, yeah, um, just the United States box office was over $25 million. horror movies for the rest of the 80s. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. It was, there were a few more good ones and then it just sort of nosedived after yeah, that. even made me stop reading Fangoria. Oh, I would think so. Because he was on every damn cover. Yes, this movie, this movie 
Yeah, a lot of the visuals after this were straight copies from this. Oh, yeah. There was you know, a lot of that and crap. And not a lot of this was terribly original, I'll say. But uh, everything after this definitely tried to be Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, yeah. This held up remarkably well, though. Like you said, yeah. you hadn't watched it in... in I haven't watched it in a long time. I, 10 I or 12 years. Right? No, longer than that. 20 years. Jeez. Wow. Yeah, for me, it's probably been... Because 1997 was 20 years ago. Oh, shit, man. <laughs> Already? Man. Yeah, I'd watch it again if there was like a good edition. and I'd check it out again. But It didn't look too, too bad on streaming. It's on Netflix right now. Yeah. The R-rated cut is all that's available on DVD or Blu-ray. The, really? the unrated cut is not available yet, hmm. which is kind of weird. So it got, you know, like probably not a lot of stuff cut out of it. I mean, I think that they, I mean, they poured 500 gallons of fake blood out of a hole yeah. in oh, an upside down room. That was great that the coroner had to go and throw up. <laughs> he yep. was in the bathroom being sick. Again, was she dreaming? Or what really happened to that kid? No one will ever know. Yeah. But I would say the visuals, you know, uh, a good two-thirds of them maybe hold up pretty well. Oh, yeah, they hold up pretty good. Um, when he pulls his face off, oh, yeah. show that it, there's nothing, it's not a mask. Yeah. I like that visual. That was pretty good. Yeah. So um, this is something that, I really hadn't planned to rewatch, and I did, and, I, and I'm glad I did. It, it, uh, it, this it, is the film that the quote-unquote millennials rolled their eyes at. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose they would. They've had a lot of... Uh, but they did love the hunger. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad so they like that. Maybe the kids aren't so rotten. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, the phrase is, the kids are all right. Yeah, the kids are all rotten. The kids are all rotten. That's a good one. Kids are awful. So, <laughs> so the the uh, the remake, the 2010 remake. Did, did you watch it? Yes, I uh, wandered away at some point. Though. It's it's super glossy and soulless, isn't it? Um, I didn't mind it so much until the fact that they, like I mentioned earlier, they have Chris going through finding out about Freddy Krueger. Right. Um, then she gets killed in not a very scary way. I mean, they sped it up and made her flip and flop around in the room right. more. Um, but then Nancy and her boyfriend basically have to learn all the same stuff again. <laughs> yeah. And it just bogs down the movie. It's like, we just learned this. And there's some little dream sequences, but nothing really elaborate nothing really happens and then it ends and you find oh maybe it was real maybe it was a dream they could have done something new with it i mean yeah they didn't have to follow the story exactly i almost forgot to say when when they go to rod's funeral at the um cemetery Mm -hmm. man ohio has some gorgeous palm trees yes i gotta say man also like that Hollywood High School is in in Ohio. Of course it is. Hollywood, Ohio. <laughs> the 
the center of it all, man. Is it Ohio? Springwood in Ohio? Yeah, it's supposed to be Ohio. Okay, I couldn't remember if it was Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah. I didn't even know if they had actually ever said where it was or if it was like Springfield and it was... Like the Simpsons? Mm-hmm. No clear indication? No clear indication where Springwood was. Right. Yeah, it says it says on some placard somewhere, like on the police station or a cop car. Is or... this in the remake? No, in, oh, the, original, in the original. In the okay. original, they they indicate Ohio, and then uh, you promptly get to see. Because I'm pretty sure in a later one they they do make it where it's not clear where the state is. They're like, oh, this is really cool. We've moved. We've all moved to California. Yes. <laughs> no, it's more like where are we? Kind of. What yeah. state is this anyway? Yes. So, um, yeah, the remake. Okay, back to that. Now, uh, the CG stuff. Terrible. Awful. <laughs> Shouldn't have done it. Make the wall out of latex and stick your actor's it's, face up against yeah, it. Yeah, it's just a big piece of latex. It's an easy effect. Yeah. Because Better it, yet, don't do it at all because it's been done. Hmm. Well, they did do Freddy's Greatest effect. Hits, didn't they? Sort of. I mean, every one of the... It's like there was a checklist. There were like six or eight things they had to do. They had to do, you know, the girl taking, Nancy taking a bath and the claw hand coming up between her legs. They had to do the tumbling room trick. They had to do the fountain of blood and all kinds of other crap, you know, that, that was just like straight out of the movie. Uh, the original we went and watched Freddy and he didn't even do fountain of blood. <laughs> <laughs> he sucks. He totally sold out, man. Yeah, man. So it I go, was all his new album right. shit. <laughs> you know, I don't go. I don't go buy a ticket so I can listen to him do his fucking new stuff. <laughs> all folky crap. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Your experimental phase with your fucking ukulele. <laughs> Just keep that at home with you and your friends. Play the hits. Play me. Fountain of Blood and rolling around on the walls. Tongue telephone. If Tongue you know telephone. I swear to God, if I pay $100 for a ticket and you don't give me tongue telephone. I'm your boyfriend now. <laughs> And what was up with the makeup on the Jackie Earl Haley version of Freddy? Kind of looks like a monkey face or a fish face I or something. He was supposed to look like a uh, more burned person. In like one scene, the very beginning, he looked pretty good. Uh huh. Like the first stream when he turned around, you're like, ooh, he, he looks creepy. But after that, they seemed to add more and more CGI effects to him. Like he was, I don't know, was he rotting away? Was I don't know what, what was going on with his cheek there. Yeah, I don't know what was going on. Um, again, I don't understand why they use so many CG effects. It was dumb. Yeah, you don't need to do that, and you don't you don't need all that background, or, you know, on the on the yeah. boogeyman. You just don't. If you're gonna do a CG effect and Freddy's coming out of something, have him come out of something that he couldn't, you couldn't do. As a latex mm-hmm. effect. A cup of coffee. You know, he comes out of somebody's body or... Right. Something, I mean, I've seen that done with latex too, but... Yeah, Cronenberg. Yeah. <laughs> Demons. Basically, yeah, you let Cronenberg or Argento direct all the dream bits. <laughs> yeah. And then you get somebody else, I don't care who, to do all the normal bits. <laughs> Although you could do Cronenberg again, and he'd still be like, "Is this a dream bit? It's a real bit." Yeah. So, Jolene, the the remake. All I remember is I liked Jackie Hill 
Haley, I don't remember anything else. <laughs> it was kind of red and there was lots of red in it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of red filters and things. A lot and of, it was yeah. all backstory and more about the parents, I think. Yes. Lynching him. I think he does a, a fine job as an actor. I, I really think the choice, whoever chose, whether it's a director or not, to have him whisper literally everything. I mean, everything's just too breathy and like barely audible. Yeah, I can't remember anything else about it. Yeah, he I, ne- I can remember quite a bit about the original. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it had quite striking imagery, but... Yeah. Yeah. The, the remake is nothing. blank. There's nothing going on there. <laughs> So if, if somebody was given the choice to press a button and make the whole pantheon of Freddy Krueger stuff disappear, you could remember it, you could know it existed, but all visuals and all uh, available versions of it were to vanish into thin air, you wouldn't terribly miss it, would you? Mm-mm. Okay. I think... I, I think it's a great concept that was not done well. Right. Not executed well. You think it was a victim of its times or the fact that it was a new... Uh, company partly it's times because you know they they wanted franchises and they want wanted safe yeah rather than something that could stand by itself and really shock people and, and follow through on the concept and they I'd say it was that and budget yeah I'd I say this thing looks budget limited um not that they couldn't have done more with it with what they had i don't know how much it cost but you said but yeah it was i um... I think that if i think of effective dream sequences in films it's people who didn't have budgets because they had to work with just combining mundane things in a weird way yes yeah so you think of mario bava Uh uh-huh yeah especially in kill baby kill where, where it's just someone running through a room and not able to get out of the room yeah, because um, like like a dream imagery tends to be this idea of what dreams. There's just like a idea of how dreams look. Yeah, but that's not how they actually. So so like the mid century, it was Salvador Dali basically. Mm-hmm. So people were always running along these vast perspectives, and uh, you know they'd be melting clocks and yeah. all sorts of. Uh, it, it was all you know special effects and. Yeah, stuff like that but um, actual dreams you're not sure it's a dream or not because it's so mundane and Mm -hmm. and then something there's weird combinations come in and yeah yeah maybe budget's not right but this movie feels like maybe they had a lack of time maybe it's just a lack of imagination imagination. yeah yeah lack of poetry um is that a problem with all of Craven's films, I, I, he, yeah, he, he's like, um, I'm gonna pee off even more people now. Uh, he's, he's like Larry Cohen. Great concepts that aren't executed that well on the film. Okay. That doesn't, yeah. doesn't fulfill the promise of the idea. But you think about the ideas, and they're, they're great. Yeah. But um, I think that's fair. I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that. Um, yeah. Given what you're seeing on the screen versus what you can imagine it being better. So, like, when he did Deadly Blessing and he had even less budget. Right. I think that those personal, like, especially the bathtub sequence, works better than Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Because it's, they had to work with just what was to hand. Right. 
rather than constructing elaborate special effects. Yeah, like like Will and I, you know, when we were talking about the battery, that is something that was done on almost no money at all, and it was all about writing, imagination, and acting. Um, I would recommend that thing to wow. any to any horror fan, to any person who likes zombie movies, and mm-hmm. I would recommend that from now till forever, and I would never recommend World War Z, <laughs> uh, which had you know tens of millions of dollars yeah. behind it. Yeah, it had CG. What was the budget on battery? Three thousand dollars or something? They said six grand. Six grand. Let's say that that's just uh, you know. Tex Montana was like thirteen hundred dollars. Right, just cameras. Yeah. And writing. <laughs> Did you watch? Which doesn't cost anything. I've not had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy it. It's funny. Um, so all that being said, uh, it's not about how much money you have all the time. Uh, it, it, you know, time re- you know constraints can be a problem. I could see that. Well, if they tell you you've got three weeks to make this happen, even if you've got the best crew, you know, nine women can't conspire to have a baby in one month. They can't? No. It's the first time hearing this. <laughs> no. uh, are we talking about a witch movie now? Well, yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, it, it takes one woman nine months is what I was getting at. So basically, what if you've you got... Have a... three women? Could they each split it up for three months apiece? <laughs> I suppose they could. <laughs> so, what of if course... you had more than nine? What, what could if... it get less? 27 women? I don't know. But of course, my point is that you can have the best art department in the world, and if you don't give them enough time, you're not going to get good results. Could all the women in the world create people immediately? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Given a head start, they could. In fact, retroactively, there's so many. Right. We've got too many people already. So, um, yeah, you've got limitations that are uh, not just budget, but time, and and, uh, maybe sometimes the people you need aren't available, and, and, and... the look of the movie can suffer for that, sure. But if if you've got people who are willing to put themselves out there and, and enough time to do it, you don't need a giant budget. You can just say, well, it would be nice if we could show this. We can't. We'll have our characters talk about it. Or, you know, it can happen off screen. Or you can see the aftermath from the thing. You know, that works. Do something else. Or do something else. <laughs> It doesn't cost you anything to write. Your imagination, your lighting. Yeah. Like you said, leaves blowing down the corridor. Yeah. What did that cost? A fan and some leaves. Right. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, that single feather that floats down at the end of the scene. Yeah, sure. That's better than... Yeah. Anyway. So... What are we watching next? Reanimator? That that would be 85. Mm Mm-hmm. Reanimator. Okay. And I think, like I said, I'm going to try to uh, convince some people down in Phoenix to uh, sit in with me, and then we'll do our thing, and we'll we'll do uh, either a two parter or combine what it exactly all. What exactly are you doing in Phoenix? What is the oh I'm I'm going to be there. I'm helping a friend uh, sell at Phoenix Comic Con. Oh okay. And um, his booth includes some of my art prints, but mostly Funko Pops, and um, so. Uh, I'll be with Plastic Empire, my buddy Dustin, and uh, we're going to be staying with Brian and Crystal, who are regular listeners of the show, and uh, Brian has been a good friend of mine for over 20 years, and uh, we're going to 
we're going to see if we could twist his arm and get him and hopefully Crystal to sit down and talk into this device and talk about Reanimator. Excellent. And if they don't want to do that, well, you know, then I'll just get them talking about Reanimator and hit the record button. They'll never know. There you go. I'll have to delete this part out of this. <laughs> but So it'll be basically, uh, you know, covert. Will they have time to listen to this um, before you get out? Oh, well, if I say I tapes, do I have to put quotes around the word tapes? <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. Just checking. Um, yeah, there'll be time. We'll, we'll figure it out. And if something's going to be late, we'll let our listeners know. All right. We got Facebook. We got Instagram. We can let people know. All right. So, uh, do you recommend this movie to millennials and old timers alike? Uh, only the elderly. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, the 1984 one, if yeah. you haven't seen it. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, 2010 avoid it. Okay. Um, it, it, you know, I it think didn't it didn't start. I, I tried to give it a fair watch. It started out all right, but like I said, it, it bogs down and, and like Jolien complained that why do they need the backstory on Freddy Krueger? They <laughs> explained it enough when they were said, you know, he killed kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cut all that stuff out. And the big weird battle Royale at the end of the movie cut that down quite a bit or remove it completely and you'd have a better movie. Yeah. There was a battle royale. Well, there was a big battle between uh, the hero, um, the two hero characters, uh, Nancy and her friend, what's-his-face, against Freddy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I shouldn't say Battle Royale, because oh, then we're talking a about movie. a better movie. It was pretty lame. I just can't, I just can't remember that, that remake you're at not all. Remember, yeah, yeah. You're not forgetting much. It's... Uh... Yeah. It wasn't much of a battle. Like I said, I wandered off at some point hmm. and had to force myself to go back and finish <laughs> watching it. Oh, wait, I left the movie on. Yeah, swap swap a good at least half of your CG for practical <clears throat> or remove those scenes completely and, uh, you know, it would be better. So, uh, so you'd, you'd recommend both of them? or I would say I would say watch the remake with an open mind and... and uh, you know, forgive it for some of the stuff that was misguided. You know, Platinum Dunes was trying to make everything too glitzy and glossy. Um, you know, give it a watch. Uh, don't expect too much from it. But yes, I do recommend. Do you um, think Rob re- Zombie could have done it better? Yes. <laughs> a thousand times, yes. Um, well, yeah, put Rob Zombie on it. Mm-hmm. The next time they remake Freddy, I want I want Rob on it. Um of course, the 1984, uh, it, you know, I don't have any special bias toward it. I like it as a standalone piece. The sequels have never done anything for me. I didn't like many of them at all. Um, some of them I liked a little. I would say Wes Craven's New Nightmare was really kind of a, a cool take on it. Like, what if we talk about Freddy has come into reality and it's it's not Heather's character. It's Heather Langenkamp, the actress. Mm-hmm playing herself and Wes Craven playing himself and Robert Englund's in it as Robert. And, uh, it's like Freddy's invading the actual world. And that's pretty cool. Um, I need to rewatch that cause that came out quite a while ago. It, again, it comes across as very sort of unimaginative. Does it? Yeah. It was kind of, I think that one really stands out as one that could have been a good idea. And the execution yeah. is just, tv movie of the week yeah it, it i do I think re- maybe that's that's a big problem maybe that's what i'm trying to 
convey by saying budget, but it's not really budget. It's it's look and yeah, lack of imagination. No. So it it would it would uh, it would be one of those things like, you know, everybody loves Star Wars and they remember it fondly. But if you look at the dialogue, it's just bad. And <laughs> it's like, God, if only Lucas could have written better dialogue, it would have been such a better movie. And that's kind of maybe the same thing with a couple of Wes Craven's things. It's like, man, if only he would have, you know, done a couple different things with these sorts of choices, it would have been a better thing, you know. But. Uh, that being said, yes, I do recommend the '84 one as a you know a rewatch or yeah. If you're interested in like horror movies in general, then you have to see it. Yeah, it's it's kind it's of a staple. Landmark. Yeah. Or if you're a fan of our show, <laughs> yeah, you should probably be watching <laughs> the stuff we're going to talk about. Yeah. yeah. So Reanimator next time. Mm-hmm. That's mm. yeah. That's going to be a good one. So have you both seen it? Yes, oh, yeah. do absolutely. Wanna, do you want to borrow this copy? Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's on Shutter. Or not. I don't. I I think Bright of Reanimator maybe is, but if you watch, if if we don't have access to it, you watch that and then I'll borrow it from you and then return it to Jillian. Okay. And I've got it on blues. Oh, oh nice. okay. Cool. So. All right. Well, until next time. Stay off the moors. <laughs>